Hello, and welcome to the Amazon Women on the Moon segment by segment podcast. This is episode six, and I am your host, Adil Kurji. I'm joined by my co-host, uh, slash guest. Hello. How's it going? Uh, yeah, no, all good. All good. Uh, I've never introduced myself. On, I've never actually been on a podcast before. Um, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I've never introduced myself on a podcast. Obviously, I've introduced myself in general at parties. Um, one would think, yeah, that I go to frequently. That that you are one of my most partying friends. This is true. Oh, uh, I party so hard. I party so hard. <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of party hard uh so we are we have the we're episode six and we have the lovely pleasure mm. of uh being the team who's gonna talk to you about the amazon women on the moon yeah. movie segments but for that to make sense obviously if you've got here this far you probably know but just in case you're just popping in this is a weird sketch comedy movie you know uh, a thing we don't see much anymore, um, but it's essentially a series of sketches slash ads all around this movie. Uh, watching this movie, Amazon Women the Moon, which is a uh, pastiche of 1950s sci-fi. And uh, yeah, so have you seen this movie before? I thrust this uh, task upon you. <laughs> so I I'd heard of John Landis. Um, I don't think... I'd seen any... I've never seen Beverly Hills Cop, which I think is his most famous one. Um, right? Unless unless I've misread a Wikipedia page somewhere. Uh, <laughs> like, so uh, I believe this is the only John Landis film I've ever seen, and what an introduction. Um, so for context, Dill thrust this upon me. Like, I think you did send me a message about it, but then you actually told me about it as we were leaving a pub on a Sunday evening mm. and I wanted to go home because I was cold and you were like, yeah, so it's this film. It's kind of like a pastiche of 1950s sci-fi. There's other stuff that happened. Just, uh, you know, I'll send you some, I'll send you some information about it. And I was like, okay, great. Um, that's fine. But then what happened was I had a, a train journey this weekend and I was like, oh, perfect. This train journey is an hour and 30 minutes. The film is an hour and 24 minutes. I'll just watch the film on the train. That was a ah. mistake. <laughs> I did not get the memo about full frontal nudity five minutes in for a start. I was just like, well, I literally had in my head, oh, if I can't watch it all on the train, I'll just watch the rest at work in my office. That'll be fine. It's not mm. not fine. So yeah, yeah, uh, that was that was an introduction, but it was no, it's a it's a fun film. I feel like. As someone who was born in 1994 and has lived in the UK their whole life, um, some of the references probably went over my head. But, yeah, that's fair. you know, when does that not happen? That that <laughs> happens with, with things that are released today. I'm like, oh, should have understood that. Clearly didn't. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a, a touch older than you being. No. Uh, yeah, being born in 1983. Uh, but I grew up watching on cable in North America, like old sci-fi, a lot of British sci-fi, um, mm -hmm. like the OG Doctor Who, mm -hmm. Blake Seven and stuff. But that sort of helped lead me on to, uh, you know, whenever these movies were on, tuning in. Um, and uh, it, it 
Our segment is, of course, the non-advertisement, the more pastiche 1950s stuff with Amazon Women in the Moon. And boy, there is some stuff that I was like, oh, yeah, they really do that. Um, I, some obviously purposeful stuff because they, they made this well later, um, which I really enjoyed the subtle nods to the 50s, like the use of special effects and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I also had not seen this movie Um uh, I have seen John Landis probably m maybe most famous for the Blues Brothers movies. Oh, uh, of course. Can we just edit yeah. out the bit where I didn't know that John Landis directed no. Blue Bro Blues well, Brothers? Well, I mean, it's fine. Uh, you did actually mention the IMDb, which, um, I mean, he did Beverly Hills Cop 3. That's what I have to look up because... <laughs> oh, um, God, why like, do I even tend do... to know anything about anything? It's embarrassing. <laughs> Uh, it's okay. You, you prefaced it well with "I'm a young." <laughs> I, I, this often happens. I, um, I've realized. I've realized where I made my mistake is I was looking at the Wikipedia page for Joey Travolta, who I'm sure will come up later. So, mm. ah, it worked with director John Landis on multiple feature films project Beverly Hills Cop, and it does say three, but I clearly just stopped reading at that point. That's fair. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Uh, Let's just do a quick rundown of, I mean, segment one. So we open with the classic Universal logo. Mm. Nice touch, because given this is a Universal Pictures film. Amazon Women on the Moon. And then one of the hallmarks of these these movies is they're terrible terrible pacing mm. everything takes so long like more so than even movies from the 70s and 80s that kids say it about now um but i thought it was really one of the smartest things they do is have the like film cuts like errors on the film strip you know mm. those little um such that like what would normally take 10 minutes as a like a credit scene they just do universal logo a guy going amazon women on the moon and then, uh, and then they like start showing the credits, and then it's like, Bleh. yeah, it's like the film strip is damaged, and then they cut straight to the end of the credits. And so, if you're familiar with how long these things take, you get that like, oh, there's a time skip. Thank, <laughs> but also it keep, it keeps it, it like is a nod, is a really smart nod to this should take a long time, but it's beat up, and also these things airing on cable are never in good condition. Like it's mm. multi layered way of not making us sit through an actual 50 sci-fi movie this is the thing is i realized when i was watching it i am way more familiar with 50 sci-fi and b-movies from parodies than i am from actual 50 sci-fi i think i've seen plan nine from outer space that might be it be fine yeah. uh no that's not true uh what is the the not logan's logan's run is good but it's not 50s what oh i'm thinking that's another 70s one what was it the one with the poker playing robots uh it doesn't matter silent runnings it's also from the 70s yeah the 50s were silent runnings yeah um again you're right even 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 what i've seen is mostly like 70s reinterpretations now that i think about it yeah. like i was mentioning blake sevens and and whatnot and Doctor Who. um yeah that's the whatnot, mm. the Doctor whatnot. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I guess what I the the what I appreciated is it's kind of a stretch between those decades. Like you, you still have the 
the side like special effects for example haven't really improved between the 50s and the 70s <laughs> that much so even like so the pastiche sort of works across many decades of nostalgia mm-hmm. um but also i totally agree like outside of my experience that way it's like futurama yeah uh and other stuff which is clearly like gen xers like old gen xers making media from when i was be- a newish adult <laughs> i yeah I, th- I was thinking about this i think my first exposure to 50 sci-fi was return to the forbidden planet the the jukebox musical Oh yeah, and, you know, Class. like which is just not really a parody of. Well, it is a parody of fifty sci-fi, but it's more just borrowing the aesthetics and tropes of it to to make a musical. So I'm like, yes, no one in this, no one in this musical can act. That that must be fifty sci-fi. I hope because I'm seeing this <laughs> in the West End. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's that's also a classic trope of Hollywood is uh, leaning into your weaknesses as strengths, right? Yeah, it's just making, you know, doing what you can with what you got, I guess. Um, right, so let's uh, try and describe this segment a bit. I mean, I, it's it's like three minutes long, I think, mm. right? Um, uh, so we, we, we crack through the credits and we cut to... Three men on uh, some sort of spaceship. We cut to three men on a spaceship, but not before one of my favourite shots of the spaceship, which is just the little lighter flame coming out of the back. Ah, yeah. It's so small that it's pointing upwards. And yes, uh, the the model yeah. work is is um, exceptional. Is a word <laughs> in the same way that this is a film. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's bad on purpose, hmm. but also kind of just how, like, it's as good as it was. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't lean too far into, like, they had some restraint with showing how bad it is. And that's that, that detail work that I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, but also because it's um, old old sci-fi, it's not just three men. Because there's got to be a monkey. Is this is this the standard thing? Because I was watching this, like, surely this is a reference to the sci-fi and not to something else. But is there is there always a monkey? I think there's usually an animal, mm. but I'm thinking of like the Space Family Robinson. Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, they had pets and like that type of thing. The idea of like a nuclear family going into space tended to have pets, but also probably. They had monkeys and stuff because of the early space program. A family but, can uh, just be yeah. three dads and a monkey. That's okay. Yeah. It's um, 1950X, right? 52, <laughs> I think. Um, is that what they say it is? I thought so, but yeah, probably, I might... I, I mean, there's, a, there's, there's, a no, there's only a one in ten chance I'm correct. <laughs> um, yeah, so we get the monkey and, of course... Um, I mean, what's nice about this first segment is it kind of just establishes mm. um, our three tropes. Uh, sorry, characters. Because um, <laughs> we've got, like, the the steely um, Captain Do-Gooder, uh, Captain Steve Nelson, who's played by... Um, what's his name? Uh, I've lost it. Uh, Steve Forrest, who uh, is in like, never really broke. I mean, they all three of these actors 
are smaller, not not big time mm-hmm. compared to like other actors. Like other actors in this film are Steve Gutenberg and like in the greater film mm-hmm. and like Michelle Pfeiffer. But I like that they didn't take big names because again, that's fifties was about pulp cinema and yeah. like churning things out, and they got like guys who could play the tropes but weren't super recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, that- uh, yeah, so we got Steve Forrest as Captain. Uh, sorry, I was going to say you, you say not super recognizable. I was squinting at, um, but like, why do I feel like he? I know that guy from something, and I didn't. He just looks like his brother, who is. Uh, J- Butch, you mean? Butch, yes. Sorry. Yes. But. Uh, Butch being played by, of course, as you mentioned, Joey Travolta, who is the brother of John Travolta, because if. You were in Hollywood, and your surname was Travolta. Why the hell would you not change? Why the hell would you change it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Joey, that. yeah, plays Butch, who is Butch. Yeah, an idiot. Yes, I think a lovable the idiot with the monkey. A lovable goof. Um, again, I have to give credit to the the design of the film because they they have him on a spaceship and in a baseball cap. I love that. I love that. I love that so much. I was squinting at it, like, is he still going to have... Does he have the cap on underneath that? And then they take the helmets off, and it's like, yes, yes, he does. Of course he does. Yeah. And of course, it's the the brim is, like, swapped, mm. flapped up. Um, uh, and he, he... And then um, and then we've got... Uh, what was the other? Blackie. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's played by... Robert I've Colbert. T- yeah, thank you. Who, again, uh, was in a bunch of... Um, sci-fi movies he's like was in uh fever in the blood the time tunnel timescape those are his known fours on Mm -hmm. imdb like just just a guy who acts in these types of movies (laughs) um again good casting there solid um and uh, he uh, we learn pretty quickly is the classic i'm not really a good person uh i'm in it for myself and getting rich yeah yeah that Um, nice that nice sort of parallel between uh, the the space explorer who's doing it for the greater good and for the advancement of all mankind and it is mankind, not humankind um, yes. and the guy who wants to sell the moon as advertising space yeah, so he, he's like oh, yeah. they see the moon in there t- chatting about it and then he's like I've got big plans, <laughs> it's going to put the biggest billboard and I love the idea of that plan because it's so stupid and over the top mm-hmm. which is like old school sci-fi but also you think about like how big would that billboard have to be to be even somewhat visible we we are from... getting into twitch emote levels of legibility <laughs> like yeah, you, pretty you much. can have a 4 by 4 grid of letters max yeah but even then what are you what are you going to say and only once Is anyone only once it? a month yeah <laughs> unless it was like he was thinking of it as a staging platform mm. for a giant sort of flag based so the gravity doesn't get messed up. I see. Thing. Could rotate yeah. with the angle to get make sure the sun glints off of it for the target demographic. Yeah. Meaning segment of the planet physically. Yeah. I mean clearly he thought they thought of all this, right? There there's got to be an actual feasible plan of the billboard. It wouldn't just be a throwaway line. Um yeah, it's then they get a call on the quote unquote electro scan from from the president. Come in, men of Moon Rocket One. This is the President of the United States calling from planet Earth. We read you, Mr. President. 
This is Steve Nelson, Commander Moon Rocket One. Commander Nelson, this is a proud day for all Americans. He informs us that they it is 1980. Yes. And uh, they're going to be the first Americans on the moon. Yes. And this year of 1980 will be remembered as a year an American first set foot on the moon. Uh, again, a nice little touch of maybe other people have got there <laughs> first. Uh, in this dystopic future question mark, uh, and then uh, and there's only 48 states. Yeah, I'm assuming that's Texas and Hawaii. That's what my money's on. The governors of all 48 states join me in wishing Godspeed to you and your handpicked team of scientists. Yeah, you don't. I mean, weren't the 48 like lower 48 in the 50s? When did Hawaii? When did uh, Alaska join? Oh, I mean, Hawaii. I thought Hawaii was the most recent one, and that was like in the. In the nineteen, oh god, I'm just. I mean, so I just assumed it was the that I'm being recorded. I assumed right it now. was the lower forty-eight, simply because, um, they're the far like the the far-off ones. Mm. Yeah, so they didn't become it. They were part of they were part of the U.S. from 1898, but they didn't become the state of Hawaii until 1959. Right. So. Uh, and I don't know about Alaska. I just thought that was a joke about Texas succeeding or something. Mm. Alaska became a state on the 3rd of January 59. So it was the, the so two extant ones. It is. Okay. That's not a joke about Texas succeeding. I prefer my interpretation, but... Yours makes more sense from the modern context. I think back when this movie, the actual movie was created, I think there was less secession Texas or <laughs> Texas is the core of America. Mm. Why, they wouldn't even dream about that idea. Um, another light, night, nice touch I saw. I don't know if you caught this, but the monkey was clearly being coached to scratch its ass while talking to the president. That's us, Looney. <laughs> I didn't uh, see that. I mean, that. it was scratching kind of its side, but I'm like, oh, I'm sure they were like, get the monkey to scratch its butt. Because it was consistently just like going to town on its side. And it was just like, yep. Uh, great. Great. Nice, lovely touch. I think because this is a pastiche, there's like... I like that they've held it pretty, um, except for Goober, who's a trope in and of himself. Like, there's no straight-up jokes, but it's all about, like, just nods. Um, again, and I think it works because it's in the middle. Like, if you just watched Amazon Women on the Moon, mm. all four segments, I think it wouldn't play well, if I'm honest. No. I think because it's, it's, um, it's being the straight man of the film, so to speak, but also making its own jokes... Uh, I think it really works um, to just not give us bigger laughs that some of the other segments are going for. Um, the straight yeah, man of the I, film I, I, is a really neat way of categorizing it. That that was what I was trying to get at when I was thinking about it. Yeah, because uh, uh, I mean, at first I was like, "Do I should I just watch the segments?" No, I watch the whole film. I'm really glad I I didn't. Uh, I, what I did do, though, spoiler alert, um, is I didn't watch the whole film. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, because I figured I wanted to talk about these first. Uh, uh, second spoiler alert: we're gonna be, uh, we're, we're gonna talk about these two. Uh, this episode and episode eleven are being recorded reasonably close to each other, mm -hmm. and then after that, I'll, I'm gonna finish the film, and and then we can chat when we do the the last two segments yeah. of of the film. Chat about the whole thing and its impact mm -hmm. but i just uh, i was sitting there i was watching it and i was like yeah you know what i kind of want to try and see it without knowing its whole package mm. um 
Mm. We'll see if that was a mistake <laughs> in the future. Um, so yeah, then we cut to the the visual of the moon, and I really again a nice nod. You can see they've 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 clearly put a light mm. to hit the nylon fishing wire because mm. it's it's glowing glinting in a way that's like obvious, but it's still just a glowing fishing line for a stretch of it. Yeah, like it's it's they're not. They've not pointed the light at it, like, haha, everything in the 50s was on. What, what, yeah, it's not. It's what you were saying earlier. They've not leaned heavily into it, but it's a nice nod. Yeah, again, and I think it's 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 a good nod because like, they didn't do that. Like, they realized with the, the ship, mm. with the lighter going up, you don't really see the wires that much. Mm. And so that gives space for making a slightly more obvious wire for the moon. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not putting a hat on a hat. Yeah. And then uh, we basically get uh, a cut, right? We get our, f- our yeah, first... Yeah, our first... Uh, it, it, in fact, I think I think it says something like Amazon Women on the Moon, end of part three. Or something. Um, I think is what it says. I haven't tried to slow it down and pause it, but it does flash up something. Oh, well, no, that's the end of the actual part, because don't, don't we... Um, we talk about the billboard after the... Uh, that's when we find out um, Blackie's a baddie. Mm-hmm. And he gets chastised. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got big plans for that piece of real estate. You know, I'm going to sell advertising space on that. Now, just picture this. The world's biggest billboard. Uh, we got a please stand by. Like, the, the film starts to... Oh, The, the film sorry, yes. starts to, like, strain as if it's not quite going at the right... Um... It's not any of us. Forget that. Please stand by. Frame rate. Yeah. And then we scroll up. We get a please stand by, um, which again is uh, it's another one of those. We don't want to hear all of their conversations because mm. they would have like mind numbing conversations. But we do get another piece of wire work, which is the one like real yes. joke. Yes. That I loved. I loved that so much. Yeah. They, we see uh, like an old school like miner's metal lunch pail on the ground. Just get reefed up by two reasonably visible black wires. And then Captain Nelson in his straight man voice goes, uh, there goes my lunch. Oh, there goes And then my we stomach. cut to Butch. Yeah. It's right he's up, up there, there with, with my, my stomach. stomach. And he's just clutching himself, which it, it doesn't really make sense because they haven't actually started maneuvers or whatever. It's just a joke, which I, it's great. Yeah. It, Very. I was, I was thinking like, you know, you know, I. This might be a symptom of me just not having seen enough films, but it's difficult for me to watch like comedies from this era and not think, ah, it's kind of like Airplane or Naked Gun or whatever. And I felt like that was a very, like Zucker Abraham Zucker, kind of joke of the lunch blocks is floating and absolutely nothing else is. <laughs> Prepare for moon landing. Yeah, exactly. It's um, I mean, that's also probably because the director of this segment uh, was, I mean, he didn't direct too many things, but he produced um, Naked Gun two and a half, three, uh... three and a third, uh, Blues Brothers with John Landis. Like, so he he directed this, but he's mostly known as a producer of this type of um, like Dragnet as well. Um, but he he's only really directed a basically this mm-hmm. uh, and a bunch of Weird Al videos. <laughs> That's neat. Which I found fascinating. Um, 
that but hey, i mean again what's nice about this movie is um is the segments it's our you know it was written by a couple of people and then the segments themselves are directed by different people john landis being the director of the whole mm-hmm. ensemble but you do you do get a sense of what he picked up from his work on these other movies um because amazon women on the or well no not necessarily actually amazon women on the moon came out in 87 and Naked Gun and all those are in the 90s. Okay. So this is actually before Naked I I got my timelines messed up. But yeah, so this is the beginning of his sort of ish. This and Dragnet mm. are like when, uh, yeah. Oh, Police Squad, of course, that's why. Because he produced a bunch of that. Anyway, um, yeah, and so we get the, the um, you know, cut to joke. And then pretty immediately we go into it's time to land and then something's going wrong. Mm-hmm. Initiate rotation system. Rotation initiated. Reverse retros. Retros reversed. Steve, we're losing pressure in the atom chamber. If it drops anymore, we're goners. Switch to the emergency. That sequence was one of my favourites. The the things are going wrong, and the urgency with which things are going wrong are not matched at all by what is happening on screen. <laughs> of yeah, a light flick, lights blinking at medium rates. Well, and like the the they, I really enjoy. So they're like, we're gonna go land, and they talk. They do the techno babble thing, and mm-hmm. it's like reverse the thrusters or whatever. Yeah. And it cuts to a scene of the model, just like the same scene of the model approaching. <laughs> hasn't moved. Hasn't changed direction. It's just approaching, and they're all like, "We're doing this with the thrusters." Nope, still going <laughs> in the same direction. The little lighter is still on, um, and then th- and then everything goes wrong, and it's like, oh, I can't remember the name of the thing. It was uh, the, the atom chamber. Atom chamber, yes. And it's like. Basically, just uh, um, it, it honestly looks like a, a, um, a thermostat. Yes, I think it is a thermostat. Yeah, and that's just been spun from behind. <laughs> then, like, and then a little red and green diode going beep boop. There's a the, there's a line where it's like, if it drops any further, we're we're doomed or or whatever, and it spins all the way to zero and then just immediately spins back. I'm like, oh, so it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then and then you get like sector A, B, C, D. There's usually lights that say sector mm-hmm. A and it's just like a four of them and it goes A, B, C, D like in in a bit of a rotation. And that's it. And a wheel spins. Yeah, and then you get some smoke and they're talking and then um and then we get a channel 8 WIDB TV splash screen and we and we end our segment. Mm-hmm. Um I Thoroughly in. Oh, I guess technically, um, we get literally a cut where Captain Steve Nelson goes, "Quick, Blackie, switch to the emergency," and then we switch to the emergency splash screen, which I thought was a very clever cut. Um, which I completely missed. Good. I mean, I think there's spot. enough r- random stuff. The thing that's why it's they managed to pack a lot in while making it seem not like mm. you said the the like urgency, but also uh, juxtaposed with. 
a few flashing lights and then panicking and like the model going slow. So you get the idea that it is a plotting sci-fi, but we still have some tension. It's a re really, I think it's easy to dismiss this type of comedy mm. um, because it seems really simple and straightforward, but it actually takes a lot of work. I mean, this is why I like airplane in yes. that it's like, it takes so much thought and work to make it seem effortlessly punchline 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 it's this type of thing of like there is a clearly a lot of thought being go gone into this so we've mentioned a bunch of things we probably missed a bunch of things it's just like ah it, yeah it was like oh this also reminds me of like you said like doctor who old school sci-fi of like the only thing i was missing was like the cameraman jostling like yeah. slowly rotating um but yeah it re really great um did you have any thoughts uh, generally? So what would you think of like the segment? Uh, my first, literally the first thing I wrote down was this is a mess and I love it. Because <laughs> um, it is, it is, it's such a mess and I do love it. Um, I, it was because I don't have the background of having watched, lo A, watched lots of these films and B, watched lots of these films on late night cable television. Um, it wasn't always obvious for me where the loving pastiche of sci-fi ended and where we're going to do this because it's funny kind of right. starts um and it's funnier if we don't give a f about commun are we allowed to swear on this yeah where 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 it's just we just don't give a f continuity because that's funnier it's hard to tell but that's also why it's such a smart idea um but also, like with the like the very telling continuity jumps between within segments and between segments, it's clear like they they want to make their jokes yes at the expense of the sci-fi while doing it, not like so this and like other. I mean, I, I obviously I've watched you know about half the film now. Um, as I said, um, like the overall film, mm -hmm. uh, this is I think what's missing in the like not another blank movie type versions of this, like the mo closest thing I think I, you can say modernly to this type of movie is like, cause those are very loosely plotted, mostly just mm -hmm. a, a plot to get you between parody to parody. Mm -hmm. um, but the parodies aren't. So this is more sketch to be fair, yeah. the other segments, but also the, the parodies of like the, like the, um, the segment right before this is the um, carpet wig segment. Yes. Um, and that's done straight-faced. It's not leaning into it. It's dumb. It's very dumb. Mm -hmm. It's a dumb thing, but also dumb products go on late-night television. And there's, like, the you lose... You don't have the sincerity in a lot of these modern parody things. It's more, like... It's more punching at the thing yeah. than pointing... Like, then doing it and saying, isn't this ridiculous? And I think... That's what really gets me about this stuff. Like some of the humor doesn't isn't like my favorite, and some of the segments are like, eh, haven't aged well. But you can still appreciate that they're. I know for me, I really like that it's there's an earnestness in, yeah. like you kind of earn the right to be ridiculous about this thing because you're doing it, and I think this set of the, the movie within the movie really shows that off. Mm. I see, yeah, I see that it's it is it is a film. It's not, I think I think it's partly that it's not a film that's just trying to parody sci-fi. It's trying to parody the experience of watching sci-fi late at night and it being constantly interrupted by 
adverts and other things because they have a heavily degraded tape that they're trying to show and it doesn't really work and no one's watching this anyway and but you are and (laughs) (laughs) and yeah it's kind of like filling the time slot rather than showing off the movie exactly um and i think that helps the fact that it's not so much trying to parody a genre as an experience of a point in time Mm, yeah that's really smart uh yeah i agree that's that's um yeah it it earns uh a bit that extra step means you can kind of play a little more Mm. um it's not yeah it definitely feels like they're trying to do that which is why it's not just like the same sort of set of when they do cut to cable placards and stuff Mm -hmm. they're They've put the effort into doing different ones to sort of signify different things. They clearly want you to think you're watching a, someone having a very bad day at the programming yes. desk, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not just like, oh, yeah, it's it's not, yeah, like I said, it's not just an excuse to stitch together a bunch of segments. Thus, you would just have the same line cards kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, you know, tune in to news at 11 and then, you know, whatever, like just some sort of commercial for the thing or like you're watching blah, please stand by. Mm-hmm. And then you just reuse those tropes because really you're just trying to get from point A to B and point B. Mm-hmm. This feels very much like they're putting the effort in to make you feel like, oh, and then this happened rather than like, ah, oh, right, that's the conceit. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, well, we've rambled for half an hour, about five minutes. Cool. Um. Uh, I think this is probably a good time for us to stop, uh, but people w- w- want to hear more of your stuff and your non-experienced 50s sci-fi life. Um, do you have any plugs? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hello Alistair. That's A-L-A-S-D-A-I-R. He's giving me a thumbs up. Uh, you can't see that. Uh, but uh, you can follow the show at AWOTMP, Amazon Woman on the Moon podcast, um, or a womped. A womped. A womped. A womped. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and you can find me at the OmniArc uh, as well. Uh, you can find me on the Craft Beer and Video Game podcast, Tanked Up, um, amongst other oh, things. Twitch. That's probably I do. Probably. I do stream on Twitch. I just remembered that. Perfect. Yeah. Got in there under the wire. Under uh, the wire. Thanks again. Uh, um, this has been fun. Uh, we will catch you back here with us on episode 11, I believe. But uh, that's been us. Uh, I've been Adil. Uh, bye. Bye. Just think, Looney. In less than an hour, we're going to be on the moon. The first thing I'm going to do is carve me off a hunk of that green cheese.